might be a single of Anybody else want to leave? <laughs> wow. All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Got to just figure this out real quick. So when Jim a minute ago asked how many people were first time here at Obi Joyful, I thought I only saw a few hands. First timers, just a few. I don't know if you're here around the fourth or so, but it was like lots of first timers. But I, we want to have first timers every single time we get together. But it's so good to have um, lots and lots of people returning to gather with the body of Christ. And so, just welcome. And I hope that today is a blessing to you. And I hope that you have had a chance to connect with Christ this morning. One thing I do want to say, uh, it just reminded me as Jim was standing up here, uh, what, in, in those of you from uh, around, may, may not know, I'm fairly new here, uh, and Jim was the senior pastor leader here before, and uh, most of you who have been in church may know that it can be hard to make a uh, transition to a new leader, uh, and especially hard if the former guy hangs around. How many of you are familiar with that problem? So what I want to say about that is uh, that what a blessing it has been to be mentored by Jim, to be loved by him and his wife and his family. Uh, It has been incredible and an unbelievable blessing. And to me, just as a witness of the health of, uh, the great leadership and the Christ's work in this church, that, that, uh, that we can remain and work well together and love each other and have a fun together. I can call him and say, Jim, what do I do? You know, he's like, well. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that I said that while lots of people were here because it's been such a treasure. I didn't want to uh, wait on that. So thanks, Jim and Abby, too. I know it's hard for you to make that transition as well. So uh, my family and Claire's family, we just went on a little hike together. It was, for several of the people in the group, it was uh, their first backcountry experience with the packs carrying everything with us. And so we went up to a little place called Copper Lake, which many of you are familiar with. It's just above Judd Falls. It's a great starter kind of adventure in the woods. Except that it has this little kick in the last, like, 2K. You know, if you've been out there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's, it's a great, you know, you know, moderate hike, and then suddenly you're like, <gasps> what, you know, what did I get myself into? Everybody did fine, and we got there. It was great. Uh, one of the things that my wife loves to do is she loves to collect uh, rocks that are the shape of, of hearts, and she's probably not alone in that. So we have this little stack outside of our house of things like inside of our house and other places. I, ha- I brought, so this is the typical... Uh, you know, about the size of a chocolate chip cookie. Can you see that? Ah, uh, you know. Um, 
heart shapes. This is one of them. So uh, early in the trip, I heard her saying stuff like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, look at that. And of course, she had all the people looking. Well, so I didn't know this, but on the way down, um, or on the way up, she had picked one up out that she wanted to get. Uh, It was about two miles in. And uh, so rather than carrying it up, we were just going to pick it up on the way out. And then I saw it. Um, and it's, it's ways, it's not, it's like the size of a small dog. <laughs> okay. And it, it weighs as much as our microwave. Um, and so uh, we, we ended up putting that in my pack. <laughs> and so... You know, I already had this pretty tall pack, and I'm a little bit top, you know, balances. So I was like, well, it's only two miles to go. We'll just put it in the top. And I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was funny. But we made it back. Um, and it's, it's uh, the reason I tell you that, not, is not just because it's funny, and I hope that she never finds another bigger rock <laughs> uh, for me to bring home. But the, where we're going today is really about the heart. The deepest part of who we are and what that means in following God well. We're we're in a series, as most of you know, uh, since most of you have been here before, called Jesus One on One. And what we're doing is walking through these scenarios of Jesus interacting with one person. And often there's a crowd around, and so there's teaching that's going on in the midst of this scenario that's happening. And today we're going to go to one where. There is a crowd, but it must be somewhat intimate, at least in the, in the sense that Jesus' words can be heard and he can be asked questions. So there's some kind of dialogue happening here. We're, we're going to be in Luke 10. So if you want to turn there, Luke 10, 25. And in, and in this in, interaction, we have a lawyer. And he's not a lawyer in the law uh, like we would typically see that in, in civil law or something like that. What he is a lawyer in is the law of God. He's not a priest. He's not of the family of Levi, but he is someone who knows the law, and it's his job to study it and know it well. He's a very religious person. He's a, he's a good person. He's looked up to in his society. He's respected as someone who knows really everything about it. He's a legal expert. And he's going to, as the scripture will say, he's going to ask a question to test Jesus. He wants to test him. And if you can picture the situation and all the people that can hear the, this, they know uh, that they know by the way this guy is dressed, by his, uh, the way he's interacting, or if they live in the town, they know that this guy is someone who knows the law. And when he asks Jesus a question and he asks him this question, he is trying to set Jesus up. And so there's this anticipation of what this answer is going to be. So let's look at it in verse 10. I mean, chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, before we go any further, I want to just take a moment and and rephrase that question. Uh, Because what he's asking Jesus to do, he's he's asking Jesus to sum up how it is that a person follows God. 
essentially to summarize the whole law in one time in front of him and get it right in front of all these people. Okay? This is, this is what the question is. How do we follow God well? What is the best way we can follow God? Jesus summarized that for me. And so what Jesus is going to do is he's going to take these people, and especially this one person, through a route of explanation that I don't think they were expecting. And I hope as, as we're listening, perhaps there'll be a place where we can interact and where God can speak to us as you and I uh, observe Jesus dealing with this. What Jesus is going to say, essentially, is that following God well, it begins with the word, the word of God. It requires a response, and it has a dramatic impact on people around us. Following God well begins with the word, the word of God. It requires a response, and it has a dramatic impact on the people around us. We will then have a dramatic impact on people around us. So let's read this passage together, and then we'll unfold that together. So starting in, in 25, the lawyer stood up to put into the test and said, Teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? How do I follow God perfectly? Tell me. And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What's written in the word? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered well. Do this and you'll live. And 29. But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to this place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he, sent him, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it, that's a couple hundred bucks, and gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I get back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Jesus asks. And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, Typically, for me, when I read this passage, I want to go straight to the story of the Good Samaritan. Almost all of us are aware and have interacted with that story over the past. It's one of the best places to see um, Jesus describe metaphorically the work of a Christian to care for people that are suffering, to care for people in need, to bring the gospel, to bring hope. And we'll do that sometime. But today we're going to focus back mostly on what that story is trying to Jesus is using that story to tell the lawyer this whole message. And, and Jesus is, um, is going to build this, this argument that following God, um, he's going to build this argument in a way and 
and I really wrestle with this over the last several days because um, when I tried to sink myself into the, the way he truly interacts with these people in their culture, and not just hear it like I've always read it, it, it came across differently to me. I, I, hope, I hope you'll pick that up. He builds his argument about how to follow God well differently than I had expected when I looked at it this way. So first, uh, it starts with the word. Following God well starts with the word. So the lawyer asks his question, right? He says, how do I do this? And Jesus says in verse 26, what is written in the law? How do you read it? When Jesus asks him about the law, he's asking him about the word. Those two things were synonymous, right? We all agreeing on that? And specifically, for this lawyer, the law was the first five books of the Old Testament. For him, it was the Hebrew Scripture. We call it the Old Testament. So, what Jesus does is, the, is he says, the answer is in the law. Do you see how even by asking the question back, he's answering the question? The lawyer says, how do I do this? And Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? It's what is written in the law. But when Jesus does this, he, he turns the situation around and he forces the lawyer to make the first move, right? The lawyer thought, oh yeah, I'm going to get this guy. He's a podunk, you know, preacher, upstart from Galilee, probably doesn't know anything. All the people are thinking, man, this Jesus guy is going down against this man. But Jesus doesn't try to give him an answer about this that can be shot down. All he does is turn it back around and ask the same question. And I feel like there, if you picture the situation, the lawyer is trying to keep his poise and he's quickly trying to figure out how am I going to answer this so that I don't get humiliated in front of all these people. So he probably gives the answer that he was hoping Jesus would say something about, right? He is, he's, he's stuck. And he wants to say something that no one can disagree with, that Jesus can't disagree with. Do you see the situation that he's in? He doesn't want to go too far. He wants to say something very normal, something that everyone can agree with. It's a good answer. And he says in verse 27, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your strength, with your mind, and your, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when he did that, he was combining, he, he knew the word. He knew the answer. He was combining two passages. And I'm sure all of you know exactly where they are in the Hebrew Scripture. Deuteronomy 6.5 is the first one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. He actually adds the word mind in there. But I think he's trying to just elucidate the fact that it's everything about your soul is to love God. So he, he brings in Deuteronomy 6.5, which God said this is, the, this is the heart of what it is that is knowing me well and following me well. But then he brings a piece from Leviticus, which is a little bit later in the scripture. And this is from Leviticus 19. And God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he brings these two things together. And this was a common understanding among the people that these two things uh, coincided, that loving the na- our neighbor as ourself was a piece of responding to God in, in a proper way. 
And if you spend time reading carefully in the Hebrew Scripture, you will see time and time again that God's deepest desire is for us to know Him by loving Him, by engaging our soul and our heart and all of our strength with Him, but it is also to love other people. Those things go together. They always go together from the beginning to the very end. So this is still, this answer is still great for us today. If you said, how do I follow God well? The answer should be something like, well, love him with all of your heart, with all of the deepest part of who you are, and love others as yourself. The answer is still the same. But knowing This lawyer knew the law, but the law had not impacted his heart. It was an edifice that he used like the brand of his car that he drove around in. It didn't permeate his soul. He just knew the answer. You can know the answer and never have it engage with your heart. So, and that's why I think that it's important to see that the word is a starting place. Knowing the word doesn't necessarily change us because we can hold it on the outside. But the next thing that Jesus does, and he does it in the same little sentence, is he, he requires a response. Did you notice he said, uh, he said, uh, what's written in the law? So what do you know? And how do you read it? And, and I love that because he's saying to this man, this guy is challenging him on his own words, right? But he's saying to this man, tell me how you read it. Tell me how you interpret it. Tell me how you would do this. And in the back of this lawyer's mind is the application of this passage. And this comes from 2 Kings. Uh, because only one other time in the scripture is, is that phrase used outside of Deuteronomy. And when it's used, it's used to describe this one king. And the king's name was Josiah. And I had the privilege this morning, when I walked in, I met a guy, a little guy back there named Josiah. Is he still in there? He went with the kids. What a great name to have. Because uh, in, in the book of 2 Kings, it says that Josiah was the one person, the one king who loved the Lord his God with all of his heart and his soul and his strength. It even says there was not one before him and not one after him. And Josiah came a long time after David, well, Saul, David, Solomon, all those people that we're familiar with. There had been a steady string of kings in Israel. And if you read through those, those books, you'll see that most of them did a poor job. Right? It's kind of depressing to read that. Every now and then one steps, it shines. And Josiah is one of those that shines out. The culture had gotten to the point, actually, where... Uh, they had forgotten that there was even a book of the law, those first five books. That's how bad it was. They, had let their, they still had the framework. They still had the temple. 
he was still appointed by God as the king, but they had just forgotten everything about what God had called them to. So, uh, Josiah sends a representative to the temple to pay some money or get some money or do something like that. And the priest says, hey, I found this book. I think you should look at it. So he hands it to the servant, and the servant takes it back to Josiah. And Josiah says, well, why don't you read it to me? So he reads it, and it's the book of the first five books of the Hebrew Scripture. And Josiah is so moved that he, he tear, it says he tears his clothes, and he is taken down to absolutely his heart, and he, it changes everything. Uh, look, let's see, look at, if you, I think we have it on the screen, 2 Kings 23, 25. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. There was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart. When he heard that, those words, he turned the kingdom around the impact of what he heard in the word of God, he allowed to change who he was. He made a decision there. The lawyer was unwilling to make this decision. When we, as, as followers of God, allow the word to impact our hearts, it will change us. It will change who we are. It changed this king. It changed Josiah. And and it seems to me that there's sort of this watershed here that Christ is, that Jesus is hoping that this lawyer will see. And it's a place that all of us have to come to when we're confronted with the word of God that changes us. There There will be some who will hear. And what they will hear from the word, is a set of rules. And they will expect that they will fail. We will expect that we will fail. And we will do it poorly. We'll be met with punishment and condemnation. But then there is another side. There are others who will choose God with all of their heart and soul and strength. And we'll know that any imperfection is met with mercy. Do you see the difference? And do you see where the lawyer is? In all of these one-on-one stories that we've been walking through, uh, for some reason or another, and maybe this is just my preference, we've been looking at people who are being introduced to Jesus. And I'm wondering about that, just in terms of our church body. Why is it that God seems to have called us to look at, at that? Um, truly to look at that watershed where we decide whether we're going to see, uh, re- to see our faith as religion or to, uh, to receive grace and mercy from Jesus and walk in that and fully following with our whole heart. And it's my prayer that that's the side that we go to. Each one of us, no matter where we live, 
no matter who we are, that instead of, because most of you are here because you are maybe a believer or very close to it. And if you are a believer, you may have been for a long time or you wouldn't spend your time on vacation in church. And it would be such a shame for us to walk away from interactions like this that Jesus has with people and think that our following God well is about following rules instead of sinking deeply with our whole heart into his mercy, into his grace. And, and that's what happens when, when, we, uh, when we respond. Uh, Jesus, let's just step to the, to the last, last thing here. Jesus uh, gets one last shot from this, this lawyer because now Jesus has answered him in such a way that he can't really come back. He doesn't know what to say. So look at it with me. And this is where we have this transforming impact on other people. So unfortunately for our friend, uh, uh, he, he had, our friend the lawyer, he has, he's tried to bait Jesus, and Jesus says, and, and he says in his last gasp, but desiring to justify himself, he says, who is my neighbor? Now this was a big mistake. Uh, if you've already tested Jesus, don't, don't do that again. And Jesus answers with this uh, carefully crafted story that we all, I think, know. This famous parable of the Good Samaritan. And he, he says it in such a way that it unfolds and he leads this Pharisee, I mean, the, uh, this lawyer down a path that's hard for him to understand. Because you have to... Um, he had to be saying, where is this guy going with this? Because he said, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus starts to describe this guy who gets beat up and, and robbed and is laying on the side of the road, right? And then he, he so is he the neighbor? Is, is he who my neighbor is? They're all wondering this, all the people are hearing it. And then you have these different people come by and reject him. And the thing is, according to the law, they were perfectly justified in rejecting this guy and walking right by. It was okay for them to do that because he was half-clothed, bleeding, and dirty on the side of the road. It was okay to ignore this guy according to their law. The focus seems to be on the injured man. And then Jesus brings out his, I guess I'd call it his spiritual bazooka, our bomb, which is the Samaritan. He loves to use the Samaritan, right? And he says, well, then a Samaritan comes by. And he actually goes and touches this guy and puts him on his own animal and takes him and takes care of him and cleans his wounds. And we all know the story. And I think still this doesn't make sense to the lawyer. And then Jesus says, well, in verse 36, and this is Jesus' second question of the day, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Now, Jesus sets up this irony that this guy has got to deal with. How is it that he's going to answer this because he is, the only thing he can say is that the Samaritan was the good guy. You, you can't say that. 
that was, that was an unacceptable thing for him to say. He's totally been backed into this corner. And you could, you can, I, I feel like you can almost hear when Jesus says, now which one of these was the neighbor? You can almost hear the crowd go, ooh. <laughs> you know, they're all trying to look. Because he's going to have to answer the question. And, and I, I like, he says, you know, I, I suppose it's the one who showed him mercy. Even the Samaritan could show mercy. See, when, when we interact with the word of God and, and it penetrates the deepest part of us and we respond to his mercy and we experience loving him and loving him with our heart and our soul deeply, the deepest part of us, that love results in compassion and mercy. The, the point of the story was not necessarily the Samaritan. It was about teaching this group of people what it is that God is looking for as a result of us being changed. The saddest thing about this story is that we don't hear anything else about this, this lawyer. That he goes away still stuck in his uh, legalistic way of viewing how he relates to God. But I think what for us as believers, as followers of Christ, what if we were to engage with God's word in such a way that we were willing to be transformed by it, to be like Josiah and hear it and let it impact the deepest part of us. And as we responded to that word, what if the outflow of that in our, our own lives, in the lives of our immediate families, our extended family, in our community, in our church, in our schools and towns and wherever we are, what if the outflow of that had the, showed the mercy and compassion that that Samaritan showed? What would that do? What would that look like? Just look, look around here. If, we, if all of us were impacted by the word and changed so dramatically and allowed ourselves to go that deep with Christ, to love him like that, that the result was that we could see anyone and have the mercy and compassion that comes from knowing God's word, from knowing Jesus expressed. I, th- I think it would change everything. So, even today, as, as we walk out of here, and this week, as you have time to spend with God, spend time in his word. And let it impact you deeply. Consider what it means not to follow his rules, but to love him with your heart and your soul. And let that have the result, I think, that Jesus wants it to have, that we have mercy and compassion on one another and on our neighbors. And now we know who our neighbor is because of this story. So I'm going to pray for us. And then I think we have some food out back. 
So just enjoy being together. Lord, we, uh, we come to you together as a body of Christ. Uh, and God, I, I'm, I think that there is still much I have to learn about how what Jesus was doing when he was interacting with this guy. I know that we all do. We didn't, we didn't even spend time on what it means to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind. But we know that the result of experiencing that is that we would show mercy, that mercy would flow from us in compassion. And God, when I look at the, um, the gifts, the histories that I know that are in this room, the people that are in here, I know that what you have crafted here with each one of these people is uh, power to do incredible things that do not look like this world and are only because of you. And may, may, Lord, as we walk out into our neighborhood today, may, may we be characterized by um, lives transformed, as lives transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great afternoon. Enjoy being outside, and we'll see you again.